What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Bart Wheeler. Bart, how are you? It's uh, Scott Fishbowl Part 2 today. <laughs> I'm trying to stay cool here, Andrew. I don't know if you know this. I know you're across the pond right now, but you said there's a heat wave going on there. I feel like there's a heat wave going on here, so... I got out there this morning and cut the grass early uh, just to try to get things done before, you know, we sat down and I'm in the air conditioning now to talk a little football, talk about their, our teams and some some late round guys. The key word there, well, it's two words, air conditioning. That's Ooh, the difference. They don't have right. that here. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> that's sorry. Why I'm so when sorry. It's 100 degrees here. First of all, they call it 40 degrees, not 100 degrees here. Ah, yes. Celsius. Makes it sound lower, but it's not. Uh, it's just as hot and uh, no, without the air conditioning, it's... Uh, it's pretty brutal. So, yeah. uh, and appreciate that that cool air. That I will. <laughs> I do. I always do. I came out from, you know, spending three hours outside, and it's just like it shocked me. I was like, oh my goodness. Took a yeah. nice cool shower too. It's a wonderful feeling. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my my Scott Fishbowl draft finally. Uh, it's actually not technically over. There's two <laughs> picks left, I believe. But oh my, my draft is over. So finally, uh, I know yours finished up almost what almost a week ago now. <laughs> yeah, it's been like five days. We rolled through ours. I feel like in comparison. Yeah, I I know that there's always like this thing about uh, which drafts moves fast and which moves slow. Um, I'm personally, you know, it's a slow draft. It's called that for a reason. I don't mind it. I. Uh, you know, it can be a little frustrating when, like, one person takes up the whole clock, I guess. But, you know, uh, it, maybe in the early rounds you want to see it move a little faster. But uh, I, I soak up the whole process and enjoy it. So well, I, I'm, I'm all right with my draft taking uh, a couple weeks here. <laughs> I have a question for you. I mean, uh, did anyone in the last, like, day or so uh, snag Kyle Rudolph? Because he signed with the Bucks. I bet someone saw that and said, oh, okay, I'll grab him. That's, a, that's the type of stuff that will happen in slow drafts. If people are doing them like a couple weeks from now, right? When tra- there's a lot more going on in training camp. Right now, there's a, not a ton of new- news and notes, but curious if someone snagged him late. He, yep. Uh, Joe Bond is in my league, and he took him in the 20th round. Yep. So uh, I thought about it. I actually had the pick three picks earlier than that and opted not to take Kyle Rudolph. Okay. Uh, I, I, I hate Kyle Rudolph. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate him personally, <laughs> but I've just never been a fan of him as a fantasy uh, asset. He's always. Like, I don't know. I've just always been unimpressed by Kyle Rudolph. I've felt like he's more like the kind of player that sucks the value out of other people than he is yeah. a uh, standalone fantasy option. So maybe this is just the fact that I'm like a Irv Smith truther, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I wasn't too interested in, in Kyle Rudolph. I, I think uh, that tight end situation is, is pretty messy there because uh, – You've you've got the rookie Kate Otten, and then you've got um, Cam Brate, who's probably yep. you know he's the guy that actually has the existing relationship with Brady, and you know been there for a few years, or he's actually been there for a long time, really. So uh, I don't think it's any slam dunk that Kyle Rudolph steps in the door and becomes the number one tight end there. So no. I'm not that I'm not that excited about him. If if something like the Deshaun Watson suspension or the Alvin Kamara suspension had broken during my Scott Fishbowl draft, especially during the early rounds, that would have created legitimate chaos. <laughs> yes, because Watson was going very late. And even Kamara, I feel like he, he was falling to like kind of that fourth round territory uh, where he probably should have been more like a third, but people are like, well, the suspension and you know 
it, we still don't know what's going to happen there. Um, another saint, I know you drafted Michael Thomas in the ninth round, and he went on the pup list, uh, I think, today. So a little concerning about Michael Thomas it, and his ankle still. Is that concerning? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's concerning. The, the person I always go to for anything on the Saints is Nick Underhill, mm-hmm. and he is not concerned about it. So uh, as long as he's not concerned about it, I'm not going to be concerned about it. Uh, I just think that this is, you know, it's camp hasn't started yet, and they're just they're buying some time. But, uh, I, you know, Michael Thomas keeps putting uh, these videos up on uh, – <laughs> the web yeah. on social media of him working out. He looks healthy to me. I, you know, um, you know, Nick Underhill said, uh, he doesn't expect either player, to re- uh, Michael Thomas and Marcus Davenport being the other one, either player to remain on the pop list too long, but makes sense to begin there as they continue to rehab the injuries. They can come off the list as soon as tomorrow, if deemed ready to play. So, yep. um, uh, this isn't any sort of like, you know, commitment to, having him on the shelf for a month or something like that. It's really could just be simple roster maneuvering, you know? Yeah. Let's hope it's just procedural. I just would rather him have not landed on the pup than landing on the pup. <laughs> That's, That's all. fair. And I admittedly did take a little bit of a risk in my draft, not, uh, not drafting a second wide receiver until I took Michael Thomas. Uh, <laughs> that was in the ninth round. So I think it was well worth the risk at that point in the draft. But, uh, it was, I mean, it, I, I recognize he is basically h- hardly played in the last two seasons. So it, 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 is, uh, it is a little bit of a risk to roll with Michael Thomas at this point. I just think the reward could be, could be grand. Well, then I know you went with the Wilson-Wilson stack for the Jets. So you did get Garrett Wilson there. And then maybe you can re- you know, recap your, your other receivers who you took real quick. And then we can get into rounds 14 through 22. And we'll talk about some, some deeper guys here. Sure. So, yeah, I took Garrett Wilson. Basically, when you're taking receivers in the double-digit rounds of the Scott Fish Bowl, you're not you're not getting sure things. But I, I aimed for upside with my picks, and that mostly consisted of either rookies or uh, injured guys. So Michael Thomas, injured guy. Garrett Wilson, rookie. Michael Gallup, injured guy. Jahan <laughs> Dotson, rookie. <laughs> so that's kind of the way I went um, in those rounds that we talked about on last week's show. Um, but then moving into round 14, which is uh, where we're going to start today's uh, breakdown, uh, I jumped back into the running back uh, category because there's a guy that I really have been high on ever since uh, the NFL draft and dynasty uh, rookie draft season back in April, and that's Tyrion Davis-Price of the 49ers. Uh, I really like this guy. I know he wasn't the t- he wasn't a player that was <clears throat> on a lot of people's lists um, prior to the NFL draft, but then the 49ers went out and spent significant draft capital on him, a third-round pick. Uh, this is a Kyle Shanahan offense that really anyone that gets the carries is probably going to put up really good numbers. And uh, it did just come out today as well that um, Shanahan is reportedly determined, quote-unquote, to use a running back committee uh, you know, Elijah Mitchell was great last season, but he also got nicked up quite a bit. And it seems like Shanahan doesn't really trust him to carry the load uh, full time. And Tyrion Davis-Price brings a physical component. Um, so I think he can be really effective runner through between the tackles. He'll have to compete with Jeff Wilson, but 
you know, it sounds like Trey Sermon is still very much in the doghouse. And <laughs> I don't think Jeff Wilson is a major obstacle, honestly. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, talk about Elijah Mitchell. This is kind of the spot he was in last year. And we've seen it so many times. Um, kind of like, I mean, we've seen it in New England. We've seen it in San Francisco. There's certain backfields where it's like, you know, they're going to run it a lot. You want to get a piece of it. And it's often not the guy who you think it's going to be who ends up being the top running back. So, like you said, uh, Tyrion Davis-Price, I mean, in the, in the draft, you had Brees Hall, Ken Walker, James Cook, Rashad White, and then Tyrion Davis-Price. So, he was up there as far as the rookies. I mean, there's a couple guys below him in the draft that probably went earlier. Uh, guys like Damian Pierce, who are in maybe better positions to be the, you know, every down back, potentially. But, you know, Davis-Price might just get more work because they run the ball more, and he might get in better situations where he can score touchdowns. So, yeah, I, I like the pick there. Yeah, I mean, San Francisco has a long tradition of not only rotating who their lead back is, but also, like, supporting more than one fantasy viable back at the same time. So uh, I I think that, like, even if he's, you know, the number two back all season behind Elijah Mitchell, I still think he can flirt with, uh, like, weekly RB3 flex value. Yep. Uh, so I feel like that's a pretty nice value in the 14th round, especially uh, in a format like this where you want to shoot for upside and, uh, you know, guys who can actually be league winners potentially. So in the 14th round for me, uh, well, I'll flash back to the seventh round. I drafted Mac Jones as my number two quarterback. I, so I had Stafford and Mac Jones. Uh, Mac Jones should be pretty solid in this Scott Fishbowl uh, format with the, you know, efficiency and different things. Um, so I drafted Devonte Parker in the 14th round. I might've mentioned him on the last, uh, you know, podcast we did on rounds one through 13. I might've jumped ahead, but I, I actually wanted to get Jacoby Myers here. I actually have Jacoby Myers ranked slightly ahead. Um, if you look at ADP, Devonte Parker is actually going ahead of Myers, but it's close. Um, you know, they brought Parker in as a free agent. I like the fact that Myers actually has that rapport built in with Mac Jones from his rookie year. You know, he easily led the team in targets and receptions, um, but, you know, Parker's there. He's a good weapon. I thought, why not have a little mini stack with my QB2 and grab Parker because Myers was gone. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm i actually in the camp uh, that slightly prefers Parker over Myers, but it is very close. Um, I was having a debate with uh, a friend of mine as I, who was kind of like my my little guide as I'm uh, drafting here. I, I like to bounce ideas off this friend and, uh, you know, he's living vicariously through me cause I get to do a draft in July and <laughs> his are all in August. So yep. he was happy to like, you know, help me uh, game plan and strategize. And he, he likes Myers more too, but I, I, um, I don't know. I just sort of feel like Parker, I just, I feel like he's the type of receiver that I like better. He's more physical. I feel like he has more, touchdown upside um that's obviously the 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 Achilles heel with Jacoby Myers and it always has been is just the lack of touchdowns um yeah and I just don't know I mean he kind of has gotten by as like a more of a reception magnet you know like um due to really a lack of competition for targets I I guess you could say and I I feel like I could see Parker overtaking him as the number one option there. And if he does, I think his game translates better to fantasy. So um, that's why I give a slight lean there. But I do understand going into camp, you would probably give Myers, uh, uh, make him the slight favorite as the to lead the team in targets, I, I guess you could say. Yeah, and it's close. He was there. He was available. I wanted the little stack. So I was at the 14-15 turn, and I actually took a kicker. <laughs> at the number 15 <laughs> spot. Okay. So this is my first year doing Scott Fishbowl. 
you know, kickers, you, you want guys. I mean, not everyone even drafts a kicker, but I, I honestly didn't really know what to do here. A couple kickers had already gone, uh, Justin Tucker and I believe Daniel Carlson. Uh, so I went with Evan Mc, uh, McPherson because, you know, he's young. He's got a good leg. Uh, you get bonus points. You don't you don't get negative points for missed field goals, but you do get bonus points for the yardage. So I could see McPherson hitting five to ten, fifty yarders this year. You know the the I mean, as long as the Bengals don't go for it, you know, on the forty yard line, <laughs> which they might. Uh, I know a lot of coaches are aggressive now doing that. Um, but yeah, I just I thought I don't know. There were a couple kickers that were taken, and I was like, I kind of just want to get one of these top guys. And then you know, after I drafted them, I saw Butker, you know, got picked in the next round. Um, Tyler Bass went in round 15. So there was, you know, there were two or three guys who kind of went there. So, you know, there were plenty of other guys I could have gone, you know, a lot of directions I could have gone there, but I just, I went with kicker. What do you think? Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I mean, I ended up taking a kicker in the 18th round and it was Daniel Carlson. And uh, I, I had the same sort of feeling it sounds like you had, which is once you take the kicker, you, you sort of are like, well, (laughs) Should I have just waited a, a little longer? Because kickers are so yeah. replaceable. You know what I mean? I, yep. I, it's a it, it's a very interesting thing in Scott Fishbowl. And, you know, I have one year of experience under my belt on this. Um, so you'll, you'll experience it this year. But, <laughs> you know, the kickers themselves are going to be fine flex plays. Um, the question is, you know... How much can we really predict which kickers are going to be the, the best kickers for the entire season? Because... Um, I, I study kickers pretty <laughs> thoroughly and I like to I feel pretty confident about my ability to to rank kickers weekly mm-hmm. um, but ranking kickers for the entire season is is much harder in my opinion because uh, it, it's just it's trying to predict um, uh, factors that vary wildly from week to week and within the season things can change you know so sitting here in July and saying who are going to be the top five kickers I don't have a ton of confidence in doing that. Um, but I do think, uh, these guys that we're, that we're talking about are probably going to be solid kickers. At least, um, they're guys like you can flex and it's not going to be, it's not going to hurt you, you know? Um, and once you get to the 15th round, like you're kind of in dice roll territory anyway, with a lot of these picks. So I don't have a huge problem with, with diving into kicker at that point. Um, I just looking at it myself, I'm sort of like the guy I took, I took a kicker at 18. And if I had waited longer, I probably would have just taken one of the other players I took later in that spot. So it yeah. doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Cause like it, once you get to the later rounds of a deep draft like this, it just comes down to like personal preference and pet players, you know? Yeah. ADP gets thrown out a little bit out the door. Like some, some guys were clearly kind of, you know, going along the ADP lines, but yeah, I'm just looking at the kickers still available too in my league. So, Greg Joseph, you know, for the Vikings is still available. I mean, there's tons of guys, but you know, I would have been fine, honestly, probably just waiting and just taking him in the last round or or Young Hoku, for instance, maybe. But I don't expect yeah. the Falcons to be scoring a lot of points, but maybe they'll get a lot of field goals. So, you know, well, here's another thing yeah. I'll say about this: like, once we get into the season and we're actually playing this roster, uh, like, if you're if your team goes like, you know, down the toilet, if like some of your top picks get injured or something like that, and suddenly you're like, 
uh, you know, because your bench is all stashed with like yeah. high upside guys. I mean, that's the way to do it in Scott Fishball, right? But they may not be like plug and play flex options. Yep. So I'll roster two kickers. Like, <laughs> yeah. So if you yeah. if you have some injuries, you might have to pick up additional kickers, and they'll be there. Yep. They're always they're always available. You know what I mean? So it's like if you're if you're in desperate need of a flex during the season, kicker is probably what you're going to do. Yep. And and by the same token, like if some if there's some great waiver wire pickup early in the year. The guy that you might be most tempted to cut might be your kicker, you know, because it's like you'll just be like, oh, well, I can get if I don't get this kicker back, I can get another kicker later. You know what I mean? It's like they're they're, they're it's just an interesting thing because it's they have a lot of immediate value, but they also are very replaceable. So who did you get in the in round fifteen? I'm guessing it. Well, it wasn't a kicker because you waited till what round eighteen to get a kicker. So I did. Who yeah. did you get? So there? I was still looking for you know guys that I could feel like are legitimate flex options um at running back or wide receiver and I went with another running back here I went with Mark Ingram and of course this will come down to uh what happens with Alvin Kamara but uh I do feel like it's quite possible that we see Mark Ingram as a starting running back for half of the season or something like that and uh, I know he's I know he's getting up there in age at this point, but um, I still feel like it's a good situation to be in in New Orleans. You know, I think if he um, if he is the starting uh, running back for eight, you know, the first eight weeks or six weeks or whatever it may be, uh, that he could uh, he could make some make some noise. I think he could certainly provide RB three value at least and potentially RB two value. So uh, that felt like a pretty uh, decent bargain uh in the 15th round i feel like it was kind of because he's old you know people are shooting for upside he's not gonna he's not gonna be a league winning pick um but he could be a guy that especially because i am you know shooting for upside with a lot of my other picks i felt like he's a guy that might be a plug and play flex option for the beginning of the season yeah like for redraft i like having those guys you know who you might be able to plug in at the beginning of the season. And I saw something on Twitter earlier. I think Kamara has like a August 1st court date. So we might find out a little more here in about a week and a half uh, as to what might happen, what the NFL is going to do. A lot of people aren't going to draft for a month. So hopefully there'll be a little bit more clarity going into week one with this whole situation. But yeah, Ingram could be a nice play. He went in the 11th round in mind. So like, okay. Yeah. That makes me feel good. I know. Right. Good value. Like the, the I mean, the other thing is, I mean, the other thing is like Alvin Kamara is a, is a, phenomenal football player but he's also not a bell cow (laughs) you know what i mean like he's a he's he doesn't have the size to uh handle 20 25 carries between the tackles every week or anything like that so there's going to be somebody else in the mix in new orleans even when camara is available and when you know when the saints were really you know running at full steam they did you know they did support a second running back, whether it was Latavius Murray or, or Ingram. So uh, that's another thing I, that's in the back of my mind. Is like even with Kamara there, he might still be able to carve out some value. Now, of course, maybe it's Abram Smith or yeah, you know Tony Jones or somebody else <laughs> that ends up doing it. But I I'm always interested in the second running back in New Orleans. It's just a position that I it's just a uh, role that I tend to gravitate towards. Yeah, well, in you know in round 15 for me, like I said, I, I do have a little bit of regret taking a kicker there, but. Just, just because I look now at the other running backs there, they, I didn't have Ingram available, but I had Rashad White and Tyrion Davis-Price available. So probably should have mm. gone with a higher upside rookie you know, running back or something there just for the upside right. and waited on kicker. But anyway, 
I'll know that for next year. Yeah, who knows? Exactly. It might work out. No, don't live, don't live with regrets. <laughs> so who did you take <laughs> coming back in 16 there? Uh, so I went back to my rookie wide receiver well yeah. <laughs> and went with Alec Pierce okay. of the Colts. Um, this is an interesting situation. I, I like Pierce. Uh, I liked him coming out. Um, I feel like he's got a lot of size. You know, in college he was used more as like a deep threat, but I think he's got red zone potential written all over him and uh, it sounds like the Colts are are scheming him up to be a, a big piece for them in the red zone uh, I know Paris Campbell has gotten a lot of like buzz this summer but As he's also <laughs> kind of fallen flat on his face to begin his career you know so yeah do we really think that Paris Campbell is suddenly gonna figure it all out now I, I think I'm happy to bet against that and that would mean that Pierce could step right in and be the number two wide receiver behind Michael Pittman in this offense. And, you know, they like their tight ends, but they don't really have any tight end that's going to be like a target hog or anything like that. So I think there's a pretty nice opportunity for Pierce. I think even though, you know, Matt Ryan is uh, on the downside of his career, I think he's still a quarterback that can get the ball to playmakers. And uh, I just like the potential here. I think Pierce um, is a little boomer bust, but I think he he's the kind of guy that could – become one of my like top three wide receivers week in and week out if if uh, things pan out well yeah I just look at the depth chart like you were talking about there's so many just like guys on this list that you just I mean Ashton Doolin Kiki QT looks like maybe he's an indie of course T.Y. Hilton's no longer there I think he's still a free agent so I, I suppose they could potentially bring him back if he's still a free agent and looking for a team but I keep moving Michael Pittman up my rankings like Every day I feel like I move him up a couple more spots, you know, like where he is. Uh, because this, yeah, the number two, I feel like all the targets are just going to go to Michael Pittman. But they they have to go somewhere else too. So I, I like this. It's nice. You always try to like find that, like you're trying to find that number one receiver in places like Green Bay and Kansas City, right? Like, But those guys obviously went way earlier. This is a nice spot to try to find that number two receiver because it's very ambiguous and up in the air. Like we don't know who it's going to be right now. So. Yeah, and they did spend a second-round draft pick on him as well. So uh, they invested pretty heavily. I think they certainly envision him being the complement to Pittman long-term. It's just really a question of how quickly he acclimates. And uh, I think it can be pretty quickly, especially with that, you know, red zone role. It it, it makes it like maybe he could be like a poor man's Adam Thielen or something. Yeah, yeah. So when it came back to me in the 16th, so I I, I took uh, Travis Kelsey in the first round. So I hadn't taken a tight end up until this, a second tight end up until this end. And it's a tight end premium scoring. So I really wanted to get one or two more. Uh, and I did get, I actually did get a third here in a little bit. But I went and got Hayden Hurst. Uh, so he's kind of in, like, he was a rookie back with when Lamar was a rookie. You know, he actually went higher than him in the first round of that, that draft with Lamar Jackson, which seems crazy. Uh, you know, he was there for a bit, got traded to the Falcons. Uh, now he's with his third team in like five years or three years or something. So, um, but he's with Burrow, you know, CJ Uzama is now a jet and I think Hayden Hurst is in a good opportunity. Uh, he's not going to be the first option, but it's a pass heavy offense. Uh, it's an offense that I expect to score a lot of points. So again, I had gotten, I wanted Irv Smith who went, we just mentioned him earlier. Like I wanted him, he went one pick before me, like a couple rounds earlier. So Mm. I just kept, you know, missing out on guys and just kept waiting, but I didn't want to wait any longer. And I really liked the value of Hayden Hurst here. Yeah, no, he was definitely a guy that I was also looking at it pretty much the same area of the draft that you're talking about. Cause I, 
I did end up taking a tight end in the 17th round, so we'll get to that in a minute. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Uzoma, as as we recall, did have some big games last season. I don't think he had the the consistency um, because, you know, when you've got Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, um, the target share is not going to be massive for the tight end. But, I mean, it is a, it is a potent offense, and Hurst is the clear – starting option there so that's that's got value I um I would have taken Hurst over the tight end that I did end up settling on um just because uh of injury and and risk like I feel like with Hurst he's solid like he's always been a solid player yeah um and it's a it's you know the other thing is I'm curious if the Bengals start to play it at a little bit higher pace than they have in the past because that's been the thing with the Bengals is that they've been a very methodical team even though they have a lot of weapons. Um, but if they wanted to, I mean, they could light up the scoreboard. You know, They really yeah. could with the talent that they have. So if they if they start playing more like the Rams or something, then I think then you, you could see Hurst maybe be like a Tyler Higby or something where it's like he, has, he could have some really huge games. Um, so... Uh, yeah, so I don't I don't hate that. Yeah, and I mean, he was the 29th tight end taken, too, here. So we're going really late. Um, so that was the turn for me. So I'll just mention real quick, uh, with the 17th, first uh, pick of the 17th round, I took Desmond Ritter. So like I mentioned, I had Stafford and Mac Jones. And, you know, looking at your team, I'm actually kind of jealous that you do have three starters. I know you went with the New York quarterbacks who you're hoping one of them kind of pops there and takes off, and you have Russell Wilson. So you have three starters. But at this point in my draft, there was not a starter available, you know. I mean, I think even Jimmy Garoppolo was gone. That's how far down the list we're getting. Um, but, yeah, I like Ritter. You know, I look at Atlanta. I was actually going through all the all the teams. Every year I try to go through the teams and sort of simulate in my head, like, every game and try to figure out, like, who's going to win the division and all this. So I did that a couple days ago. And, man, Atlanta might be a team that only wins, like, two or three games. Like, yeah. they really might be. And I'm just looking, like, at their early season schedule. They start off with the Saints at home. Then they go at the Rams, at Seattle. They play the Browns, at the Bucks. Like, I don't know. If Mariota is the week one starter, I don't know that he's going to be the week four or five starter. Like, I think Ritter could get right in there if they start the year like 0-5 or something. So I'm hoping that yeah. Stafford and Mac Jones can kind of carry me for a while, and then maybe Ritter's the starter after a month. I'd be, I would love that situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, I've been having this d- debate with some people recently. It's an interesting question. Like, who starts sooner, Desmond Ritter or uh, Pickett? Yep. The Steelers, um, Kenny Pickett. Because, uh, you know, the Steelers spent the higher draft pick. They're more invested. But uh, they also are a team that hasn't really – I mean, they haven't finished under 500 in, like, decades or something, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh I'm not. I'm not expecting the Steelers to be good this year, but I still feel like just they'll find a way to win some games and be competitive longer than the Falcons will. Um, so that's why I think Ritter might actually uh, take over earlier than Pickett because I think if Trubisky is a starter in Pittsburgh to start the year, they could easily end up you know playing 500 football for the first half of the season or something like that, and they keep sticking with him until things go south. Whereas like like you said with Atlanta. This team could be really bad. I mean, they could easily start off like 0-4 or something, and then Mariota's just pointless to start at that point, you know? So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I like that pick for sure. And hopefully it's you won't even need it because quarterbacks, knock on wood, generally 
stay healthy and, uh, you know, it would be nice for bye weeks, I suppose. But um, with Stafford and Mac Jones, I think you're pretty in pretty solid shape, especially in this format. Mac Jones gets a big boost because it's a very uh, dependent on completion percentage, and that's a, a real strength of his. So, um, and uh, you know, the six point per passing touchdown as well. It's just it benefits the the pocket passers more. So I like Jones a lot in this format. Um, so I think you'll be okay at quarterback, but. Never hurts to have that third option as well. I, I had to take mine earlier just because my second option was uh, a little questionable. But um, So I, I, we can each envy each other there, I guess, in some respects. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, Stafford has a week seven bye. So, yeah, I'm I'm kind of hoping for an 0-5, and 6 start there in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, if you have to play someone else in the flex spot for one week, you can survive. It's not... It's not oh, a yeah. two QB league. It's a super flex league. So yep. you at least have that, that super flexibility, shall we say. <laughs> All right. So who did so you get So going in back to my round? team, um, I, had, I had kind of teased that I took a tight end in the 17th round. So I'll, I'll go spill the beans here and say who it was. It's Logan Thomas <laughs> of the Washington Commanders. Nice. And I know he is currently injured. Uh, he is working his way back from a ACL and is not a lock to uh, be ready to go in week one. So that's the reason that Logan Thomas was still available here because uh, if you look at it, I mean, he he's capable of being a top 10 tight end easy, maybe even a top five tight end. Uh, yeah. He's done he's done that before. You know, I, I don't think we have to go back too far. Maybe in uh, – I'm pulling it up right now. In 2020, I believe he was like – a very highly ranked uh, tight end. Uh, he was the he was the tight end four uh, in fantasy points in uh, 2020, and that's counting Taysom Hill, who was uh, <laughs> not really a tight end. So yeah. he was only behind Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller back in 2020. So that's kind of the upside that I'm hoping for. I'm not expecting uh, to rely on him at all early in the season. That's why you know I have T.J. Hawkinson, who is my starter. So um, I'm just hoping that. Uh, that Logan Thomas can be ready to go uh, by the time that Hawkinson goes on his bye, which is an early bye as well. He's got a week six bye. So I'm, you know, pushing my luck a little bit there. <laughs> but uh, if I have to pick up a waiver wire tight end for a week, I can live with that. Um, but I just like the upside uh, that Logan Thomas presents. Yeah, I mean, this is a similar situation. We just talked about the Colts needing a number two receiving option. And I feel like you could say the same thing for Washington, right? McLaurin is definitely the number one, no question. But then, I mean, you you drafted Dotson, the rookie. He could be the number two. Um, but, yeah, it could easily be Logan Thomas like it was a couple years ago. So this is a nice pick. Um, and I, I don't know if I've told you this before, but I, I, I always root for Logan Thomas because I remember when Logan was a little kid. Uh, you know, he's from Lynchburg, where I'm from, uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. Our moms actually used to work together. Uh, so his mom, Kim Thomas, worked with my mom. Uh, and so, like, I've got – he went to Brookville High School there in Lynchburg. So I, I just – I've always kept up with his career. Uh, you know, and when I saw him kind of converting over to tight end and coming to Washington, I was really excited. So I've, you know, it's been, I always kind of root for him every year. So, yeah, well, he needs your rooting now because this (laughs) injury he had last December was pretty brutal. I mean, it was, the problem is it's not just like, it wasn't just a clean ACL tear. I mean, he also tore his MCL and his meniscus. So it was, it's a pretty major injury. Um, but you know, it will be, um, it will be a good 10 months and, uh, by the time the season starts. So even if he misses maybe September, um, I would still be very happy um, with the value I'm getting here. If he can, if he can contribute 
for two-thirds of the season, say, I think that would make this a very strong pick. Yep. So round 18, you mentioned you picked Daniel Carlson, a kicker. So you finally yeah. finally uh, you know pulled the trigger there. <laughs> are you yeah, happy, I did. Are you happy I mean, with that I... What's that? I said, are you happy with that pick or are you, you know? I mean, are you ever happy with a kicker pick? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I will start him. I will tell you that. Like, as long as he's on my roster, he's going to be in my starting lineup. Because if, if if I find myself not starting him, then it's a waste of a roster spot, in my opinion. Um, Kickers just don't, they don't have anywhere they can go up or down. They're just going to kind of be what they are. But Carlson is a kicker who honestly has always been, good in fantasy even when the Raiders offense hasn't been that great um just because he's got a really big leg and a really accurate leg and I think the Raiders um even through several different coaching staffs have always uh been pretty conservative um in terms of I'd have to pull up the stats but I, I I they are always attempting a lot of field goals let's put it that way so uh you know I think his situation if anything could be even better now um, with Devontae Adams coming there, I just I think that the Raiders could be a, a fairly high-scoring offense. And I, I think, especially in that division, there's just going to be a ton of high-scoring shootout type of games. So um, having a kicker with his ability in that kind of favorable environment does seem like uh, a pretty good flex play for the Scott Fishbowl. Yeah, and Josh McDaniels is out there now, right? I mean, Nick Folk kind of came out of nowhere to be a top kicker last year in New England. And so McDaniels right. is now the head coach out there. So um, that bodes well for Carlson as well. He's got a lot of stuff working for him, for sure. Yep, yep. So um, when it came back to me in the 18th round, um, so I had two picks here. I actually didn't have anyone in, like who got drafted right before me where I was like, come on. You know, like that, that seemed to happen to me a lot. Um, yeah, me too. Some really good drafters in, in my league. Um, but I went with Mo Ali Cox. Uh, we talked about Indy, you know, and you mentioned how the, the tight ends now, they don't have Jack Doyle. Um, I feel like Matt Ryan, you know, he's always, you know, he had Tony Gonzalez last year. He had Kyle Pitts. Um, he's always liked to throw to the tight end, you know, Pitts had over a thousand yards as a rookie. So I don't know that Mo Ali Cox is going to be a high volume guy, but talk about a big guy who can go up and <laughs> get touchdowns in the red zone. So I like, I, you know, I wanted to have a third tight end. I don't know if you drafted a third tight end or not. I mean, roster construction, I'm sort of like, I don't know if I, if I'll need it or if he'll become some guy who hits the wire, the wire, but I like the pick. I like Mo, Mo Alley Cox here in this spot. Yeah, I can see that. I've I've had my flirtations with Mo Alley Cox in the past. <laughs> uh, it's just I like the player. I just uh, everything I've seen out of Frank Reich's offense has been they like using tight ends, but they like using a lot of tight ends. You know, it's like it's just always been frustrating. They've never kind of stuck with one guy and let them be the guy you know but maybe Matt Ryan coming in changes the dynamic I don't know um I I certainly can't argue with the pick I you know for me tight end really seemed to fall off a cliff around this point and that's why I I didn't actually draft a third tight end because I just didn't think there was anyone that was really worthy of it you know I the only guy I was looking at was CJ Uzoma who's now with the Jets um just because I, you know, I am sort of invested in a potential Zach Wilson breakthrough, and if that happens, maybe CJ Uzoma becomes a big weapon for him. But, um, you know, even that I was kind of iffy on. So <laughs> I just, I, 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 uh, I didn't, I was, I'm not loving the tight ends that are available in the later rounds of of drafts. I guess you could say. Gotcha. Well, the next the next guy I took there was uh, at the at the turn. I got Joshua Palmer. Uh, so I wanted to go with some youth. Uh, I wanted another receiver. 
And, you know, this is not a, now, now I'm looking at like a third, third option now. Right. I mean, this is, everyone knows like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are there, but you know, Justin Herbert, he's, you know, he's got, I think there's gonna be plenty to go around basically. You know, he was top 10 in passing yards and touchdowns as a rookie. Then last year he was top three in both categories. So, you know, I just think he'll throw for 5,000 yards and they need to go somewhere. Obviously Austin Eckler is a big reason for that as well. But I think that Palmer, you know, and especially in this format, like Mike Williams loves to go up and get the ball and he puts his body at risk. Like he's an, if, if Keenan Allen or Mike Williams gets hurt, I think Palmer could step up and be really big here. So that, that, you know, that's, that was in the back of my mind as well. Yeah, no, I think you, I think you hit the key point there at the end. I mean, I, I'm always interested in the third receiver uh, for the chargers because it's one of those situations. It's kind of like with Dallas, like some of these teams, yep. it's just, if, if the, first or second guy get hurt that guy's going to step right in and be a really valuable player so um you know in the past i've been into jalen guyton for that reason but i think um palmer is probably a more well-rounded player overall uh than guyton is so um yeah i'm i'm intrigued by palmer it, it sounds like he's ahead of guyton on the depth chart guyton is getting some nice buzz as well this summer but it it could just be special teams kind of buzz. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, which doesn't do us any good in fantasy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I, I like that pick. I think that's a definite like upside kind of uh, choice there. So now we're in, with. now we're in round 19 and I see you went back to the rookie wide receiver. Well, I did. Yeah. So the, <laughs> this was sort of a, a, a calculated bet against Christian Watson. <laughs> I yeah. took Romeo dubs. Um, you know they they spent a uh, they spent an earlier pick on Watson, but Dubs wasn't. You know he was a fourth round pick, so it's not like he was a late pick. Um, I love the tape on this guy. Like when I watched him, he just he actually looked like Devontae Adams to me uh, on film. And now, granted, he was playing uh, against not the highest level of competition, but um, I was just really impressed by his tape. I'm very intrigued by the opportunity. I mean. It's just so wide open there in Green Bay. You know, I, yep. like Alan Lazard is not a prototypical number one receiver. Uh, Randall Cobb is a slot, an aging slot guy. Uh, Sammy Watkins has been a disappointment everywhere he's gone, basically. Um, Watson, it, it sounds like, could have a, a really steep learning curve get, uh, coming to the NFL. Uh, so, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe Dubs ends up being the answer. You know, I I wouldn't bet on it, but uh, <laughs> I'll take these odds in the nineteenth round um, that he could just click with Rogers and Camp and step right into a huge role. I mean, we saw um, the Packers draft. I guess three wide receivers was it like three years ago or something like that? Four mm-hmm. years, the year that Marquez Valdez Scantling was drafted and. Um, he ended up emerging over guys who were drafted higher than him. So I don't think that, you know, the draft order is is the be-all, end-all with this team. It's really going to come down to who Rodgers likes to throw the ball to. Yeah, and, and a lot of people think it's going to be Alan Lazard. But, like, I mean, I don't think – I don't know that he can be, like, a number one receiver. And I think Watson and Dubs both are, are good values in drafts. But Dubs is a really good value because he's going really late. So this might look amazing in a month when we actually can kind of see – who what's going on here and they've played a preseason game or two so this is the benefit of doing early drafts because dubs could be a really good value yeah yeah and i think those of us that play dynasty are just like 
more plugged into some of these like lesser name rookies, you oh, yeah. know, because I think like everybody knows that, you know, the first round rookie receivers. Um, but these guys that went in the day two and early day three of the NFL draft, like it's only people that have really spent a lot of time thinking about dynasty that have done their research on those guys in July. You know, I think once training camp comes around and we start to get, you know, NBC sports edge and fantasy pros news blurbs about what these guys are doing every day in camp, then like some of these guys are going to become household names, but they're not there right now. So uh, that's just uh, something I felt like I could take advantage of. So it looks like, uh, so we're into round 20. Uh, You can go first, but it looks like we both took rookie running backs here in this round. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know me, I'm a University of Michigan alum and passionate Wolverine. And uh, I I drafted this guy in our dynasty league win together and I drafted (laughs) him here, Hassan Haskins of the Tennessee Titans. I'm just confident that this is the guy that they drafted to be the the direct backup to Derrick Henry. Uh, I don't think he's going to play a ton as long as Derrick Henry's healthy, but I think that if Derrick Henry got hurt, that Hassan Haskins would be the lead back in Tennessee on a team that uh, their DNA is to run the football. So uh, I think he would have quite a bit of fantasy value uh, if anything happened to Derrick Henry. Uh, so I'll gladly take that in the 20th round. Well, I hope nothing happens to Derrick Henry because I took him in the third round. And I, you know, <laughs> I actually considered taking Hassan Haskins, you know, kind of in this area. Maybe it was a round earlier, but I don't know. In this got like, Personally, for my team, I don't know if handcuffing is real. I think we talked about this on the last show, but it's like just shoot for another upside guy that you might hit and maybe not waste. Not waste, but you know what I mean? Like the handcuffing yep. strategy maybe is not the best in Scott Fishbowl. Yeah, no. Well, I had the same situation. I took Dalvin Cook in the second round, so mm-hmm. uh, I was definitely considering Alexander Madison, and he actually fell pretty far in my draft. Um, but I just, I just kept thinking like, you know, if, if Dalvin Cook gets hurt and I have Alexander Madison, it's like, it's not going to gain me anything. You know, <laughs> I, like I took Tyrion Davis Price over him, for example, because right. I was just like, this could be, I could have Dalvin Cook and exactly San Francisco running back, you know, like, yep. so that's the kind of stuff that's like, I, I'm actually more into handcuffing than most people, but uh, not in the Scott Fishbowl, it's le- it makes less sense, no doubt about it. Yep. So the rookie that I got here, he was the 69th running back taken in our draft. I got Zamir White uh, out of Georgia. So James Cooks, James Cooks's <laughs> teammate there, and we know James Cooks, um, James Cook. Sorry, I can't talk. Was the uh, you know the pass catching back there, and Zamir White's kind of the between the tackles guy. Um, but you know, at this point, I'm drafting who I think is. The number three running back uh, for the Raiders, uh, we just got done talking about them. I think they'll be a little bit better this year with Devontae Adams there in general, uh, the offense. And I don't see – like I see Kenyon Drake as being that complimentary back. He's got that role. But if Jacobs goes down, I think Zamir White could just you know plug right in and, and kind of be the goal line back. I don't think – I think Drake would stay in that complimentary role, and I think Zamir White would plug in in that Jacobs role. So I think that could be mm-hmm. really value, valuable on what I think will be an improved offense. Yeah, I mean, there's even been some reports. Um, I think the Athletics Vic Taffer reported that um, he, I mean, it might have been more speculation than reporting, I guess, but he said that Josh McDaniels might already like Samir White more <laughs> than Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. So, All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a path, it, maybe a slim path, but I think there is a path where he 
gets a lot of action even without an injury. Yeah. So, um, so I do like Zamir White a lot. I mean, in Dynasty, I really like him because I think uh, I think Jacobs and and Drake are both going to be gone in in a year probably. Um, but even in redraft, I, I think it's quite possible that they just decide that they that they like White better. Um, and if not, like you said, injuries happen all the time to running backs. So um, that I don't think this is going to be like Josh Jacobs is not going to be a bell cow. So uh, it's going to be some form of committee anyway. So either Jacobs or Drake getting hurt, I think, would mean uh, quite a bit of action for Zamir White. Yep. So uh, at the turn there, the next guy I got, I got a, I got a Wolverine for you. I took Donovan right. Peoples Jones. Um, nice. Yeah, he fell pretty far here. I mean, we're talking about really late round guys, and we just got done talking at the at the top about Deshaun Watson and how that situation's still pretty nebulous. But I mean, if he's the week one starter, or even if not, I mean, if he misses four games, let's say, um, this is what I'm banking on, right? Is that you know this receiver room is just very different than it was a year ago. You know, they have Amari Cooper there now. I assume he'll be the number one. Um, but Donovan Peoples Jones is still there. They have David Bell, the rookie. Uh, Jarvis Landry's gone. So this is one of those receiver groups where it's like, you don't really know who the number one or the number two is going to be. So I just, I thought, why not take a, take a shot on this young guy? Who knows? Maybe he and Watson form a little connection and he could, he could kind of be a late round breakout. Yeah. I mean, I like Donovan Peoples Jones. I think he's, I mean, I'm, of course I do. I'm a Wolverine, but, uh, I, I just like the talent. I think he's a very good player and, uh, you know, I think he has a clear starting job. Um, I do. I mean, Amari Cooper is going to be the number one option there, but uh, David Bell is—he's more of a slot receiver. So um, I think Peoples Jones is going to be the other starter on the outside. I think he—he he could be like a deep threat kind of a guy. Um, and you know, uh, obviously, if Jacoby Brissett's the quarterback, then that might not be the best fit. But um, <laughs> you're shooting for upside, like you said, and. Um, I, I personally felt like Browns players in general just sank like a stone oh, yeah. in the Scott Fishbowl. Nobody wanted any of them because of the, the Watson uh, suspension hanging over everything. You know, I mean, like Amari Cooper fell like really far yep. in my draft. Um, David Njoku is a guy I was excited about with Watson, but, you know, without him, he becomes a real fringe kind of tight end. And, uh, yeah, Peoples Jones, David Bell, these guys. Nobody was like rushing out to draft them. Even the running backs, even Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt, uh, Dearness Johnson. These guys all fell further, I think, than they would have otherwise, just because of what you know the Watson news hanging over their uh, their heads. But um, I still think. I mean, this is still going to be a professional offense, even with <laughs> Jacoby Brissett. I mean, there'll be worse offenses in the league. So um, I still think these guys um, will produce some fantasy value. Uh, even if Watson were to miss the entire season. So maybe there's a little bit of a, uh, a discount you can get on Browns. Yeah, let's just hope it's not Josh Rosen, who I think they brought in for a workout. <laughs> I'd rather it be Brissett, to be honest. No, they signed him. Did they sign they him today? Signed him. Yeah, oh, they no. signed him today. Yes, well, they did. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if I'd like that. But did you see the, the Nick Chubb video of him like squatting 600-plus pounds? I don't, 610 pounds, yeah. I that's, think people are moving back bad. up the board that now, <laughs> seeing that video. <laughs> oh, right. He's a monster. He's insane. Yep. 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 All right, so who did you grab in the 21st round? We've got a few more picks left. It's a 22 sure. round. Yep. Yeah. So um, so this this was buying some insurance on my Michael Gallup pick. Uh, I wanted Jalen Tolbert because I love Jalen Tolbert. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think he's going to be a really good football player for that team. But uh, he he went pretty early in my draft, and I didn't get a chance to get him. So I said, you know what? I'll I'll hedge my bets. I'll take James Washington instead. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's going to be a camp battle between Washington and Tolbert, um, and really into the season, honestly, because I don't expect Gallup to be ready for Week One. So. You could see uh, when the when the Cowboys line up for their first play from scrimmage in Week One, you're likely going to see both Jalen Tolbert and James Washington on the field in a three wide set, and it's going to come down to who plays better. You know, yeah. um, I I prefer Tolbert, all things being equal, but I'll take a chance on Washington in the 21st round. I mean, he he didn't get a lot of opportunity in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, it's a former Bolitnikoff winner for the best wide receiver in college football. Um, very limited playing time during his Steelers career, but uh, especially in the later years of it. But when he did actually play, he was pretty productive. Um, and I think he can be productive if given the opportunity in Dallas. It's just really a question of playing time. And I think he'll get it early on. And potentially all season, if he if he does uh, surprise me and outperform Tolbert, and if we're surprised and Gallup is available week one, then maybe you drop him, right? I mean, it's kind of like insurance for you in, in a way for the early exactly. part of the season. So yeah, nice yep. pick. Yep. All right, last pick for you. Well, <laughs> yep, <laughs> I picked another injured player, <laughs> uh, but this one obviously has a ton of upside. Odell Beckham Jr. He's currently a free agent. Uh, he is not expected to be available to play. Uh, you know, he got injured in the Super Bowl, so uh, he's not expected to be able to play until October, perhaps even November. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why this is a 22nd round pick. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's only going to sign with a contender. Uh, so that means he's probably going to be signing with a good offense. And we know that Odell Beckham has all the talent in the world. Uh, things didn't work out for him in Cleveland, but. Uh, once he went to the Rams last year, he had some nice games, especially in the playoffs. And um, there's a good chance he ends up back with the Rams. Uh, but even if he doesn't go to the Rams, he could easily end up with uh, another really high-powered offense. And uh, I just, I can just visualize Odell Beckham being like a league-winning pick during the fantasy playoffs in the Scott Fishbowl. Yep. So I had to go for it. Um, it's the kind of pick where it's nice to do now because we can just wait a month or two and see uh, whether the value skyrockets or not. And if not, then I, I can just drop him and uh, and pick up somebody else off the waiver wire. Yep. And, you know, these are, like you said, this is round 22. These are really deep rosters. And also keep in mind, you can't make trades. You can just use that waiver wire. So, yeah, we'll see. You may keep them for six, eight weeks, or you may drop them if things aren't looking good. But, yeah, at this point, it's just like you're just throwing darts at a lottery ticket. And, yeah, he could be like a guy that, you know, weeks 14 through 17 or something are helping you win the league. You never know. Yeah. The big debate for me, honestly, was uh, Odell Beckham or Will Fuller. I was going mm. back and forth on that. And Fuller actually ended up getting picked a few picks before me. So I didn't have to make the decision in the end. But it was a tough one to make um, because I feel like I trust Beckham more as a player than I trust Will Fuller, but Fuller's not dealing with a, a major injury. So, I mean, right now, anyway, he usually is, <laughs> but uh, they're both unsigned. So yep. it's, it, it, who would you draft first of those two? I would take Fuller. And in fact, in the last couple of rounds, I think that's, I was looking at him as well. Um, I think I'd have to look it up. I think he might've gone even a couple rounds earlier. 
Because, yeah, I, I think I'd rather take a risk on Fuller thinking he could sign with a team, you know, here in the next month and be healthy. Um, but, yeah, probably get hurt again anyway. <laughs> but Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, both of these guys, I mean, it's like, I don't know, we're splitting hairs here, but I think I would just take Fuller with the thought that, hey, maybe he signs with a good team in the next month and is healthy and can actually use him for most of the season to help you win now. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I, I'll take either one with my last pick and just uh, see what happens. <laughs> yeah. So my last pick, so I had the, the very last pick of our draft. I took Keyshawn Vaughn, and uh, in our Dynasty League, I actually picked him up after our rookie draft um, because I have Leonard Fournette. And I believe I still have Gio Bernard <laughs> on my roster too, because I'm just like, well, let's just see what happens in training camp. And I didn't, I wasn't able to draft Rashad White, so I didn't, I don't have the entire Bucks backfield in that dynasty league. But I just think, you know, I don't trust rookie running backs with Tom Brady. Uh, we saw it with Keyshawn Vaughn. Everyone was excited about him when he was a rookie, and he didn't hit, he didn't hit the field. Although that that might have even been with Jameis, I can't remember now. Um, but like, what you always hear with rookie running backs is like, if they can't pass protect you're not going to get in the game. And that holds so true with guys like Tom Brady. Um, if you can't protect him at his old age, man, you're not going to see the field. So I think Keyshawn Vaughn could be the number two there. People are getting all excited about Rashad White, but in a couple of weeks I wouldn't be surprised to hear or see a little blurb out there that's like, Rashad White not going to see the field if he doesn't improve in pass protection. So just a little little future blurb for you there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's interesting. I, I agree. That's very much like... You know, there's recency bias, and people always gravitate to the latest rookie. Um, but that's not the way the coaches make decisions. So right. <laughs> it's going to have to be one on the field with performance. And like you said, specifically with pass blocking. So um, that will be an interesting one to watch as we head into uh, August here. Yeah, and so that's that's our whole draft. I wanted to make say one other thing because up on the site, I've got a couple articles up on rosrankings.com. Uh, a lot of these guys are in the latest article I posted, which is a value guy uh, based on current ADP for every single team. So Donovan Peoples-Jones is my guy for Cleveland. Uh, Josh Palmer's my guy for um, the Chargers, I believe. I talked about Hayden Hurst. Um, so these are all guys who I really like uh, late in drafts. Um, but not all the guys in my article are late picks. You know, I mentioned Michael Pittman when you were talking about Alec Pierce. Like His ADP right now is still in the 40s, and I just keep moving him up like, to me, I'm not letting him go outside of the third round. No way. Like, I think he has top five wide receiver upside. So, yeah, uh, go over to rosrankings.com and uh, check out that article. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we'll be upping our content um, soon with uh, football drafts around the, around the corner. We're going to be uh, updating our rankings uh, frequently in August, and we'll be doing position preview podcasts as well. Um, so that – you can look forward to that uh, coming uh, soon, uh, covering all the major positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Maybe we'll even talk kickers and defenses if we have time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we'll definitely be doing a deep dive into each position, looking at where we think there might be tiers and drop-off in value and, and all that good stuff. So please do uh, subscribe, rate, review, all, the, all that stuff. Uh, sorry, I'm stealing your line there, Bart. It's but, all good. Uh, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew underscore Cypher. And you can follow me on Twitter at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. And like Andrew said, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review. We are out of here. We gone. You 
You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.